All right, inappropriate Earl is back in the house. It's, we're in the middle of the hockey playoffs. We've got teams dropping left and right. The number two and one seeds are out, Calgary and Tampa Bay. Now, you're probably thinking, why are you talking about hockey? It's Los Angeles. It's because of my next guest. Because if you've been to a King game in the last few years, you've heard this man announce all 16 of Ilya Kovalchuk's goals including the empty netter he popped in. Well, actually, a few were on the road, but I'm a Kovalchuk guy, and we're going to get into that right now with the Kings public announcer, not Alex Faust, the man who announces the goals, the penalties, the uh, giveaways, the T-shirt things, Mr. Dave Joseph. Earl, how are you? Got such a voice. Thank you. Now, at the end of this podcast, I'm going to have a fantasy uh, fulfilled when I asked you to announce uh, my name has a goal scorer on uh, an assist from Barry Beck and Ed Hospodar. <laughs> but that's later. Do you have a pen? I can write that down. No, no. <laughs> we're just going to improv it. <laughs> it's going to be right up there when I had Turtle from the movie North Shore reenact his scene at the end where I played Turtle and he played Chandler, the surfboard maker. A little improv acting. <laughs> Now, we're going to get right into it. Uh, the LA Kings are not in the playoffs. I remember when I did the uh, preseason podcast with some friends of yours, I believe, the mayor, John Hoven, uh, Dennis Bernstein, the legend, Brian Slagle, Jesse, Egan. And they were all very high on the Kings. As was I. This is preseason. This is, uh, yeah, sure. like uh, we do uh, every year. Uh, I think, believe, two years ago, the great Jonathan Davis was with us for that. Uh, we do like a uh, season preview of sorts. And uh, I think we all had high hopes for the Kings this year. Um, you know, there's controversy with the Kovalchuk signing because, you know, it's a three-year deal. And it's like, I would kill to be 35 years old. But, you know, for an NHLer, I guess, 35. Unless you're Yarmir Yager. Or uh, pretty old. Matt Cullen. Or Mark Messier. Who I named a dog after. But I also named a dog after Randall Tex Cobb after the beating he took from Larry Holmes. I'm like, my next dog is going to be uh, Tex Cobb. Uh, but we all had uh, high hopes. And uh, the Kings season uh, seemed to go askew. Uh, I'm still not sure why. Uh, what... Are your thoughts on uh, what happened? I mean, I think we're all scratching our heads going, this roster on paper is as good as any uh, roster that's playing right now. And essentially won a Stanley Cup as recently as 2014, which is only you're five years removed for that, from that. And most of that core base is still together. The Andre Kopitars, Drew Doughty's, Jonathan Quicks, Dustin Browns, Jeff Carters, Tyler Toffoli's. They're all still there. Alec Martinez, all still there. So you would think coming into the season, as you said, with the pre your preseason uh, roundtable, preseason chat. It was Kings of the Roundtable. Okay. Kings of the Roundtable. <laughs> Available on Sorry. iTunes. No, believe me, it's you're not uh, alone without knowing what the name of that was. I think going into the season, the thought was the Kings lost to Vegas in the first round last year. They got swept. So they said, and, and those were one goal games. You had some overtime games in there, right? Jonathan Quick played lights out. If they could have gotten any scoring, they being the Kings, they would have been all set. 
So what do they do in the offseason? What do the Kings do? They go out and they get free agent Ilya Kovalchuk, who hadn't played in the NHL in five years. Five years. 35-year-old, but capable of scoring. He's a point-of-game guy. $6.25 million. It's not $10 million, right? You're going to pay. You have to pay in order to get the player. There were, se- there were several teams who were looking at adding a player like Ilya Kovalchuk. I think Boston was real hot on him. A lot of teams were hot on him. Kings won that lottery, so to speak. So you figure if Kovalchuk is going to net you 20 to 30 goals, somewhere in there, 20 to 30 goals probably gives you another four or five wins during the regular season, which puts you in a better playoff spot at the end of the season, which means you might not have to play a team like Vegas in the first round. Maybe you get a little easier first round matchup. I think that was the thinking going into the season. What went wrong? A month into the season, looks like the Kings are playing the same way, the same style as they did in the previous postseason against Vegas, not able to score goals. The offense wasn't there, so they made a coaching change. John Stevens, uh, relieved of his duties. That's a nice way to put it. You're welcome. Uh, and who, who is out there to grab in the coaching ranks? Not many people as the season has just started. So coaches haven't been fired yet. Kings made the first move in firing their head coach. And who's out there that can now coach the team? And John Stevens had just been here a year. So you need to find someone to bridge the gap until you can find another head coach. They hire Willie Desjardins, who was in Vancouver for several years. And his stay there wasn't great. You're very diplomatic. And that's where the trouble, that's where the trouble started to happen. A new coach comes in. It's like a, Earl, I'll say it's like a substitute teacher. Remember when you were in school? No. 10, 10 11 years ago? <laughs> what do you think? I was in college at 40? <laughs> One of my shack and blue chips? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. So you had a substitute teacher. And what'd you do? You screwed around. Everyone in the class dicked around, right? You, you were someone else for that day. You took a different name. You shot spitballs. You did all that crap. This is kind of the thinking of the Kings players a little bit take you behind the curtain. Maybe it was, we don't have all the respect for this new guy. And not, and that's not right. That's not the right thing to do, but that's essentially what happened. There was no, if there would have been, this is your head coach. This is who you're going to play for. There are no ifs, ands, or buts, no excuses here. You got to play for this guy. He's going to be your coach for five years. You think they, they would have acted the same way? I don't think so. Uh, probably not. Uh, you know, which is what they have now in Todd McClellan, by the way, who they just hired. Right. I mean, I, you know, I think uh, it's an interesting choice for sure. Uh, you know, I think uh, you don't like the move. No, uh, I think a lot of people are down on McClellan because the Edmonton tenure. But I will say this, I, you know, I think I'm a pretty um, level headed fan. Um, I, I think Edmonton is a disaster in terms of their uh, upper management general manager, uh, Shirelli, uh, like they only draft high end forwards, which, you know, if you look at the Kings, if they've done anything right the last 10 years, it's how you build a, a, a almost near dynasty, quick, dowdy Kopitar. Uh, I mean, that's just how you do it. Goaltender, defenseman, center, and then you build get, around. Yeah, you get the Dustin yep. Browns, you get, you, you know, stockpile draft picks so you can make the Carter trade, you make the Gabrick trade. You know, I think I told you when I met you that I, I, I'm a fan of Dean Lombardi. Uh, even his post-cut moves 
most didn't work out, but the guy took swings. He took swings with the draft picks that he compiled. Uh, but I'm also a Sam McMaster fan, which, first of all, that might be the first time Sam McMaster's name has ever been mentioned on a podcast. I'm nearly certain. Yeah. I can hear listeners hitting delete right now on this episode. <laughs> uh, but I only bring up Sam McMaster's name because in LA Kings history, he's generally thought of as the worst general manager that this team has ever had. But when you look at the era that he was the general manager in, which was the tail end of the Bruce McNall era, uh, you know, uh, stick and glove companies were stopping delivery on their uh, equipment because the Kings were essentially bankrupt. And, you know, he wanted to do, he like he wanted to sign Pat Verbeek for one year, $1 million. He couldn't even do it. Like he was so hamstrung. And then Gretzky announced, I want out. And he got what he could. Uh, so I look at, you know, Rob Blake now is kind of under the microscope is, you know, I look at, you know, he walked into, you know, maybe not the greatest situation with a slightly older roster. You know, Lombardi made some boo-boos toward the end. You know, the Luchas deal, which I was a fan of, to be honest with you, when it happened, didn't work out. Uh, you know, the Sakara signing, he played 12 games. Uh, he got hurt. That was but a tough I, one. But I was a fan of that deal. Sure. Like uh, He's taking a chance. Yeah. And so, you know, now Blake is under that microscope of, you know, this is a big draft coming up. Uh, and so it, it's, uh, you, you know, going to be very interesting it's, this might be the most interesting summer in la king's history from the standpoint of what they do because this roster to me and you tell me if i'm wrong it's kind of in between like we're not old we're not young we're not fast we're not slow we're not big we're not small so uh but the nhl like you brought up is is you know you look at vegas the speed 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 four lines even ryan reeves who's you know he's not horrible like he's fast for a guy and you don't have to you don't have to be fast you have to play fast right and which is a difference people think oh he's he's not really speedy we don't have to be super speed it helps if you have a little bit of speed it helps if you have austin wagner speed it helps if you have carl Hagelin speed who the kings used to have now is in washington uh some guys can flat out fly out there but you don't need that you need to play the game fast you have to play fast and there's a there's a difference um the kings are not young but they're not super old like you said it's kind of in the middle you've got your core guys are a little bit older and then you've got a batch of young forwards mostly a couple of young defensemen who they're trying to build around right so we'll see what happens with the austin wagners we'll see what happens with the brendan leipzig we'll see what happens with all these guys who kind of got a crack at it this year uh and see what happens with the draft this year so the kings are going to draft fifth oh is that a which is hey you're going to get a good player at five though Earl. But I really It's not one. It's not it's not uh, Jack Hughes. Hughes or, it's not two Capo Caco. I get it. But at five is gonna be a pretty good pick. Dustin Brown was thirteenth pick. Oh no, I know. I think uh, uh Kopi was an eleventh uh, a number eleven pick. I mean, you're gonna get a good pick at number five. Drew Doughty went number two behind Steven Stamkos. So you're gonna get a good player at number five. Uh who they pick is is up in the air right now. We don't know yet. We'll find out June 21st. Uh, but then they also have a 25th overall pick. So another first round pick. They got one second round pick, two third round picks. You're looking at adding a lot of youth and depth to this team, which is good, which is what they need. You need the players to complement the guys you were saying, the Kopitars, the Browns, the Dowdies, Carters, guys like that. 
Well, I think the big problem, uh, you know, and I, you know, I don't say a lot on uh, the Knights of the Round, the Kings of the Roundtable podcast, because there's just so many great hockey minds. I'm there for basically the humor, but the one uh, concern I had at the beginning of the year was so much was being uh, talked about Gabe Godier. Uh, or Gabe, uh, is it Velarde? I'm sorry. Velarde. I'm sorry. I got Denny Godier on the mind. <laughs> uh, Gabe Velarde was, uh, I saw in most reports, being penciled in as the third line center, and, and yeah. some even said he'll be on the second line by December. Uh, I was like, wow, that's a lot of pressure on a kid who's not played one game in the AHL with back problems. And what's it going to be like when he gets a cross check from Zdeno Chara? And everyone on the podcast was like, well, he's not going to be going up against Zidane Char." I was like, all right, how about what's it going to be like when he gets a cross check from Kevin Bieksa, who he probably would be going up against, you know, third line defenseman. And uh, my concern is, you know, one, how's he going to, what's his status? You know, and, and there's some players potentially at number five this year who I know the Kings might be looking at. It's the same problem. They have injury problems. It's like feast or famine. You know, uh, the one kid that intrigues me is uh, Cole Caulfield, who's, but he's only 5'6". Five, 5'6", six. Five, six, 165 pounds, man. Do you make that? But he scores everywhere. Well, Johnny Gaudreau has a pretty good NHL career going for him. And Theo Fleury. And Theo Fleury had a good NHL career in, in a time where big boys ruled the world. That was jungle hockey when he played. And he could play. So if you can play, you can play. Velarde, as for Velarde, we don't know what the status is. He's got back problems, as you said. He played a few games with the Ontario Reign in the American Hockey League. And looked good. Conditioning assignment. But then his back, he had issues again. It flared up again. So we don't know. Hopefully over the summer, he gets his back taken care of, his issues taken care of. It could be a long-term thing. Nobody knows at this point. Hopefully it's not. Uh, and then we'll see if he can play. If he can play and he's healthy, he's, up. he's probably going to be your number two center. Oh, that would be huge if, uh, I mean, it's crazy to me how an 18-year-old has back problems. Like, uh, But I know hockey, junior hockey is very, you know, rough and tumble sport. Uh, but, you know, I just thought, wow, there's so much being cast upon this kid and he's not played one minor league game at that point. Yeah. Uh, I was always, oh, what if that doesn't work out like we intended? And, you know, Carter's injury, he's not really been the same. Uh, since, and that's a horrible injury. A skate to the back of the legs. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're never the same. Uh, and, you know, Kovalchuk, going back to him, you know, I love the signing. Like you said, we lost four one-goal games to Vegas. He's exactly what we needed uh, without giving up anything. Um, but he's a weird winger. Like, he's not an up-and-down winger. He's almost like a rover. Like, he goes, you know, one shift he'll be on the right side, the next shift he'll be, like, floating around the left side. And uh, so I, he's hard, to, I think, to put someone with. Like, I just envision him and Kopitar just killing it, you know. Kopitar, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but for some reason, they didn't. Uh, you know, and then Desjardins' use of Kovalchuk was so confusing to me. Uh, you know, he, he would get, I think, on average, six minutes a game. And, it's like, and then got scratched. For for many games, which is like, uh, and by all accounts, and I'm not asking you for inside yeah. intel. I'm assuming you have some, but like from the what little inside intel I have, everyone loves Kovalchuk. Like he's a team player. That's from correct. Yeah, uh, he works out like a maniac. First in the gym, 
first on the ice and then back in the gym. Yeah. Like he's, uh, he's a crazy workout fiend. I mean, not in the best way possible. He loves being here, lives in Beverly Hills. Yeah. His family loves it. I was talking to your friend, Jesse Cohen about this. And he says, well, I don't care that his family loves Disneyland. Of course, when you're making 6 million bucks a year, your family's going to love Disneyland and they live, love living in the Southern California sun. But I think that plays into it because if, if a player's family isn't happy, is the player then not happy? If your girlfriend's not happy, if your wife's not happy, whatever situation you're in, doesn't that kind of bring you down a little bit and say, oh, I got to look for something else. No, his family loves it here. He wants to stay here. He wants to win a Stanley cup here. He's never won a Stanley cup. He's making good money. He wants to show the team. He can work out, play hockey. That's all he does. But he didn't get along with the coach. He was a point of game player under John Stevens. He averaged a point a game. Yeah. And then Willie Desjardins took over and you've got a whole different, I don't know what happened between them. I know they didn't agree on their defensive philosophy. Kovalchuk, I wouldn't look at him as a great defensive player. I wouldn't expect that from him, but you have to be a little bit responsible on the defensive end. And I think maybe that's where some of the fallout was. I think with the new coach, that's going to be explained to him. The role is going to be explained. And I think they're going to be, that's going to be water under the bridge. It's not even going to matter next year under Todd McClellan. Well, first of all, I apologize for calling Jesse Cohen, Jesse Egan. Jesse Egan's my accountant. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, but well, yeah, you know, with Kovalchuk, I think I said to you kiddingly when I met you, you, you know, he'll never win a Selkie Award. Let's be honest. But he's no Peter Klima. Like Peter Klima would literally just cherry pick. Yeah, <laughs> not even at the blue line. Yeah, center ice. Uh, you know what I saw, and I watch every King game. I, you know, and I'm just a fan. But like he put in enough effort on defense for me to go, okay, he's not dogging it. So I don't know. But, you know, Desjardins also with Austin Wagner, and I'm not trying to, you know, poo-poo on Desjardins too much, but, like, his use of Wagner was really confusing to me. Like, Wagner scored, what, about 10 goals? Uh, around 10? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think he had, like, a dozen, yeah. Uh, and he would score a goal early on in the game and then get, like, four minutes of playing time. And it's like, I, I, don't, underst I don't understand this. In a speed league now... Uh, Wagner plays fast and, and I, I don't I, I like I was just confused by his overall coaching and uh, hopefully McClellan who I'm a fan of you know I think he gets a little bit of uh, you know what for his shark teams maybe not uh, finishing the job uh, but Lombardi got the same you know what for his teams in San Jose not finishing the job so it'll be interesting uh to see how the fans, uh, how much rope they give them. Because I think King fans right now, they got used to winning two cups in three years. I think they would have won the middle cup if uh, Stoll doesn't get hurt. And uh, I believe, yeah, yeah. I believe Voinov got hurt. That was some good hockey. I mean, uh, 2012, it, 2013, 2014 was oh, real good hockey. Has a King, lifelong King fan. And I was a King fan long before Gretzky. I, I was a King fan when we traded Larry Murphy for Ken Houston. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was a King fan when we drafted Dan Boner and Craig Duncanson 9 and 10. Uh, boy. You're throwing out some good names here. Well, I'm a King. Like, I'm I, can a, tell. No, I, I tell. mean, a JP Kelly was yeah. like, yeah. you know, my Kopitar when I was a kid. And, <laughs> you know, before Gretzky got here, 
you know, the King games weren't on TV a lot. So like I was there at the forum in the colonnade, you know, hearing the beer bottles roll down the stairs. I mean, it was the wild west of the forum <laughs> back in the day. I kind of miss those days. Uh, you know, remember 5,000 people seeing the Kings and the Hartford Whalers on a Tuesday night. Uh, you could hear conversations across the arena. Uh, but, you know, so I've been a fan for, since I was a kid. And uh, that to 2012 to really, let's see, you know, maybe 2016 uh, was an awesome era, you know, and I don't like to mention his name, but it, it's, uh, you know, for one uh, situation to steamroll a team, like with the Voinov situation where, uh, you know, that whole thing went down and, you know, the Kings were forced to, you know, maybe uh, overplay Robin Regeer and, 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 and that, you know, it's crazy how one, Players' situation can affect a team for years. Uh, it's still affecting the team. Yeah, I mean, and essentially, yeah, it's just uh, without getting into the, uh, you, you know, the situation. Uh, just his demise. Let's just say that. Uh, you know, I think they w win at least one more cup if that doesn't go down how it went down. Um, you know, and I'm not a homer. I'm pretty realistic, but he's a the perfect second pairing defenseman, and on some teams a first pairing defenseman. Well, back back then it was Doughty, uh, Doughty and Muzzin that right. were playing together. Yeah, Martinez and Voinov. Like, give I mean, me that's... give me four better defensemen, like two pairs of two that are better than that. You know what I mean? You're you're talking about some of the best defensemen in the league. And I think you know if you really do a deep dive, you go well if. if he doesn't get hurt and you know what happens happens in his personal life then we don't make the sakara trade so we get to keep that uh first round pick yep. and you know uh we possibly don't make the lucic trade just because uh you know we we don't need to uh and then you you know that's probably still affecting us uh all those trades and you know deals that didn't work out and once again you know I, i'm you know, I think so many fans right now are concentrating on the Lombardi deals that didn't work. But, you know, hey, the Carter deal worked, got us the first cup, the Richards deal. Uh, you know, and even that possibly is still affecting the Kings. Absolutely. You know, Mike Richards' downfall, you know, just once again, without getting into the like the off-ice stuff. But, you know, just like his – I've never seen a player uh, decline as fast as he did. And, you know, when you look up what we gave – for him, Simmons, you know, that's a tough deal to swallow, but it got us a cup, two cups. You'd really. still make that deal today, though, wouldn't you? If you, if you said you're going to get two cups out of this deal? You know, it's tough. I mean, the deal. I oh, I would. I mean, see, I get, like, I, I think some fans, and not just King fans, but you look at other teams' fans are a little unrealistic with, you know, in the salary cap era, uh, you know, you're going to be bad if you win for a while like you look at the red wings people forget the red wings you know were horrible in the mid 80s like in the jacques tamir era and then you know they drafted well got eiserman and you know probert and uh you know coaster like it was a different league back then so probert and coaster back then were effective players uh you know they got uh osgood and all these great draft picks and and then they hit a little you know 25 years they were in the playoffs yep. or something like that yep. Uh, and then 25 they, straight years. Yeah, that's crazy to yeah. me. Like, Probably uh, never be done again. 
not in the salary cap era. It's a long. That's a long run to go. Um, but you look at like the Kings. They were they were good for like a very good for like a five six year stretch, and yep. you know now they're they're in a weird spot. Like you know, do you get some older players like the Kovalchuks to continue the glory run, or do you uh, say, hey, we got to rebuild? I don't know if you can rebuild in a city like L.A. Like like how you could in certain other. Right. Uh, you know, L.A. wants winners. Well, know? they're trying to do the same thing in New York with the Rangers. Right. And their management came out and, and put out a letter that said, we're rebuilding. Here's what we're doing. And I don't know if it's the same thing here, but it's a, it's certainly a, a point now where you have some older players, and I think those are the only older players that will remain here. I don't think they're going to go out and they're going to go after another guy like an Ilya Kovalchuk. I think that's that's done. I think that's behind this team. And now it's build from the draft and restock the cupboards that were bare just a couple of years ago. You Look what Rob Blake has to do because he inherited everything that Dean Lombardi did, right? So you still have that Sakara trade that was weighing on him. You still have the Lucic trade that's weighing on him. You still have the Voinoff situation, the Richards thing. These are all things that happened under Dean Lombardi. Rob Blake now has to dig out of that. So clean up the mess. He's got to clean up the mess. You can't do that overnight. You have these contracts and guys that have to be paid and the Matt Greens who are still getting paid. And and now I think Richards, I think Richards still getting paid for another, what, eight, nine years. Good for him. Right. I love it. Never has to work another day in his life. But these are things that Rob Blake has to deal with because he inherited them from the previous general manager. So for him to for people to think that he can turn this around in one year is completely ludicrous. It's going to take three to five years to turn the whole thing around. Well, it's like just. you know, it's like when you look at Lombardi, like when he came in, uh, and this organization was a disaster. Like he had to basically bribe Michael Hanzus coming off an ACL injury. Now I've had an ACL surgery. I'm not putting myself on Michael Hanzus level, but you can see by my hockey trophies, I can shoot. Maybe I should. I can shoot the rock. <laughs> uh, but there's people, probably, uh, there's probably a dozen trophies, right? Oh, Baby, there's a lot more than that. <laughs> I don't mean to brag, but I am uh, one of the most dominating ball hockey players to ever set foot on the Garden Grove Impressive. rink. Impressive. On the corner of Knott and Chapman. Oh, I know where that is. Uh, you know, I'm semi-retired just because I'm too lazy to drive to Garden Grove at 50 years old. But, you know, we talk about what Blake's inherited. You know, if you remember what Lombardi inherited, uh, you know, it's a slow, ancient team. And Lombardi came in and fired the massage guy. Like, he <laughs> stripped it down, but he had to overpay for Hansus four years, four million bucks a year, which at that time was crazy for a guy coming off an ACL you know, full blown ACL, uh, and then he rebuilt it. He said, "I need some French, not French players, but uh, bridge players, uh, to get me to, you know, the next level." And and that's what I think Blake is going to have to do. And you know, these trade, pro- you know, it's not fantasy hockey, you idiots. You know, you're not going to trade uh, this player for uh, Jack Hughes. Uh, you know, so it just drives me up a wall when I see some of these. But, but let me ask you this, and I agree with you, but, but let me ask you this. If there's, the Kings have two first-round picks, five and 25. If there's an opportunity to move up to get Jack Hughes at one, do you do it? Well, I'd like to uh, be realistic. Do you trade five and 25 for one? Oh, I do. I would even add, I, you know, once again, I, I know you 
You'd add a roster player. I know where you're going. With yes. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm respect. Which roster player would you add, Earl? That's what I want to know. Well, uh, well <laughs> can I say without getting you yeah. in tr- Like, I mean. You're saying it, sure. But I'm respectful that, you know, you were nice enough to do this podcast. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, I had one, but, you know, by the way, leave a review. Uh, leave a, that's my buzzer going off. Uh, it's a real class operation I run here. Uh, got the dog barking upstairs now. I mean, uh, this ain't the Rogan podcast, uh, and it's gonna ring one more time. That's probably the player whose name I was gonna mention. Saying, "Don't say my name on your podcast." Uh, I would to get Jack Hughes or Kako. To be honest with you, it's tough. Uh, I'm assuming Jersey's gonna pick Jack Hughes. Um, pretty safe bet yeah so i put my mind in rob blake's head and going what can i offer shiro to get hughes i say okay what does jersey need um i mean they're definitely gonna want the first two picks or you know five and 25 and uh you know you'd have to offer them probably a roster player who's got term left I'm assuming they have no interest in uh, a UFA. I'll say the guy's name. It's nothing personal. Uh, I, I totally uh, would would be someone that might be of interest. Maybe not. I don't know what Shiro wants. Uh, you know, they might say, "Well, how about Velarde?" Uh, you know, it's a risk. And now we're getting into fantasy hockey moves where you're just throwing everything at them. But, you know, you want the best player in the draft. You're going to have to – you're not going to say, well, how about Dion Phaneuf and uh, we'll give you the rights to Nate Thompson if we re-sign him. Is that good enough for Jack Hughes? Like, I see some of these trade propositions. Yeah, you're like, right. Be they're, realistic. They're ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I would say the starting point would be the first two-round uh, picks and, and a guy like Toffoli – and maybe more, to be honest. I mean, am I crazy? Or would it take something in that ballpark to even get Jersey to listen to you? Uh, I'd be surprised if they listen, only because the number one pick is is high, so highly coveted. Right, yeah. Sense? Oh, absolutely. Jack Hughes is the guy. Jack Hughes is the guy. Jack Hughes. So I don't know if that would move the needle for them. I don't know if adding a Tyler Toffoli or a Jeff Carter or a Jonathan Quick or whoever you might, a roster player, one of the current roster players is going to move the needle for the Devils. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I like, you know, I, I had a little bit of fantasy uh, at the trade deadline. Okay, Quick, could, and I listen, has a King fan of basically since I've been alive and remembering that, you know, there was two games a year on TV on like channel 13 at four in the morning. <laughs> You got to remember, I'm you know being 50 years old. I grew up in an era where the NBA playoffs were on tape delay. Oh yeah, I remember that as well. You know the yeah. the mad the famous uh, it was Game Five where Magic played center against yeah. Philadelphia, and I think 1980. Uh, shout out to Moses Malone and his Nike commercial. <laughs> he had one line: "I take it to the hole." That probably took about 400 takes rest in peace Moses but that was on tape delay like it's so crazy for people uh you know in their 30s and and, and certainly kids today to think wait a minute I'd have to watch an NBA finals game on Friday oh, yeah. I, I mean it's crazy yeah. the era uh so as a king fan of many years I get it 
but you know, I had fantasies at the trade deadline of well, quick get us something pretty good uh, if you, if a team needed goaltending. And when you look at the playoffs right now, and and I first of all, Mike Smith played amazing, but I I don't know if I would blame Mike Smith for for Calgary losing. No, he's probably their best player actually. Uh, but he's he's a free agent. Yep. Uh, two back to back fifty save games. I think he had. Uh, you know, you start looking at teams who are losing in the playoffs and go, oh, quick could help them. Uh, but Jersey has Schneider, so I I don't. In terms of let's just play armchair GMs right now for what it would take to get Hughes uh, or Kako. I'm assuming Jersey will will draft Hughes, but there's some rumblings that the wacko Kako is a thing. Uh, doesn't either. You know, they they want players who can help them now because Hughes can will play in the NHL unless. Something yes. completely yeah. insane happens. He's taking it for the NHL next season. Uh, and it will produce. But, you know, you never know. Mm-hmm. I always get scared. You know, I remember the great Alexander Dag, first-round pick of Ottawa. I believe he played for the – I do everything off my memory. Now, I've never had a drug or drink in my life, which might surprise a lot of people, <laughs> especially given my slow uh, speech. Uh he, I think he played for Hull of uh, in the Quebec uh, Major Junior League, and he put up near several near 200-point seasons. I mean, this guy was amazing. And I remember one game where he, he was playing against Carolina, against the, uh, and I'm being serious, the departed Steve Chason. You know, like a Dion Phaneuf type defenseman. Yep. Uh, maybe not the fastest, but just he's seen it all. Stay at home. Yeah, just tough guy. I don't want to say slow because if you're in the NHL, you're not slow. Right. Uh, even if you're the slowest player in the league, you're still fast. Uh, and he tried the same move on Jason three times in a row, and it's just like, dude, this this ain't the Quebec Juniors anymore. I might be slower than you. I might be ten years older than you, but the between the legs move, uh, not gonna work. Ain't happening. <laughs> uh, so that's always the fear, I think, with someone like Jack Hughes or any first round. You know, first overall pick is like, you know, this ain't the U.S. Juniors League. You know, you're going to go up against, you know, it's like I said about Velarde. Like, you know, you've never gone up against a guy like Biaxa or, a, you know, Adam McQuaid who's like, you know, slow and, you know. And it'll guy, take your head off. Yeah, a guy like Fanuff. Yeah. Like, you've gone up against, you know, I was, I was trying to think today before you came here, like, you know, junior players – or maybe in juniors going up against maybe on the other team, three future NHLers. Would you say that's like possibly yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. around that? Sure. That's uh, accurate. So the other 17 players you're going up against are guys you're going to dominate. They're kids who probably will be working in a steel mill uh, mm-hmm. in five years. And that's not a shot at them. It's just, you know, it's like trying not everyone to, can play in the NHL. You know, I'm in a business where, uh, you know, it's very pro athlete like. Not most people aren't going to make it in stand up comedy. It's just the way it is. Uh, you know, it took me 20 years. <clears throat> no, I have that luxury. You're not going to try and make it in the NHL at 50. Unless you're on some special vitamins. <laughs> uh, so it, it's, it's no guarantee Jack Hughes will be great. It, he probably will. Yeah. You know, it's just like, you know, guarantee Velarde will ever play in a game. 
No, but if you take a guy like, let's say, look at Vancouver with Elias Pettersson. He came in and was not the number one overall pick. Uh, and he lit up the league this year and is probably going to win rookie of the year. Uh, that's that's the type of player that you're getting. Probably with the fifth pick, you're, you're getting a player of that. Is he going to have that breakout season? Is he going to turn heads like that? Nobody knows. But you're getting that type of a player, which I think is is game changing for the Kings at this point, because that's what they need. They don't have a game changer. You've got veterans. You've got your Kopitars, your Dowdies, your Quicks, your Browns, players like that who have been around and seen it all. But you need someone who's going to elevate those players to play at a higher level, which is what the Kings have been missing for the last several, probably two or three seasons. They've got players who can play the game, but if you can inject that youth into the game, if you can inject those high-end players, younger players, your team is going to be so much better, and those players are going to have to raise their games to a whole different level. And that goes back to, you know, the Lombardi deals where, you know, you said, because you're right, the last two or three years we haven't had that, you know, hot prospect. Right. And the ones we do have are playing, like, for us now. Like, Well, look, go back to, like, 2012 when, when, uh, when Toffoli – came in and when Dwight King came in and when Jordan Nolan came in and, and, and Pearson came in with 14, when Pearson came in, all, all these guys were brought up for a reason. They got a little bit of seasoning in the American hockey league. And then boom, they were brought up at the right time by Dean Lombardi. They got injected into the lineup and it's exactly what the Kings needed at that time. They haven't had that in several years. They haven't had that one player who's kind of had that breakout season or, or uh, has elevated other players to, to play a better game. That's what I think has been missing. You've got guys who are comfortable. They're comfortable living in the South Bay. They're comfortable going to the training center. They're comfortable playing games at Staples Center. But that's where it kind of tops off. There's no extra oomph. There's no extra injection of this youth or talent, which, hey, Tyler Toffoli should have scored 25, 30 goals this year, right? Where was that? Like, I mean, and, and not knocking him. It's, it's, oh it's no. a bunch of guys. Like Kopitar had a decent year. It wasn't the numbers that he put up the year before when he had a career year, Dustin Brown, same thing, great numbers, but not a career. You can't expect all these guys to have career years, but some guys have to step up their game to fully be in one of them. Doughty was a minus 30 this year. I mean, a crazy number, but he's playing on a team that was not great defensively. There were a lot of empty net goals when Drew Doughty was on the ice. Uh, you just need those extra players to give that added element to this team that's what's been missing over the past few years yeah and that goes back to uh you know they when they were winning they made some deals that did pan out you know the you know the carter and gabrick deals uh and then yep. gabrick went you know uh, yep. i loved him like listen he got us that second cup in my yep. opinion i mean i know the whole team did but like if he doesn't score some of those goals especially against the ducks ducks what you guys just gonna say uh, yeah you know and then he just went you know downhill uh, almost as fast as Richards did which you know two key guys at the same time almost falling off and then you know you're stuck with that deal because I mean Lombardi was very loyal which in yes, one sense I yep. love yep. like and I think the players love it but now they're paying for it now the team is paying for that in a sense it's tough you know if you buy out Richards at the time we could have uh you know we, we save a lot of money uh but I, I do like how Lombardi said I'll give you a second chance and it just didn't work out. Uh, you know, and Gabbard, like, you know, should he have gotten that big deal? I, you know, in my mind, yeah, at the time, you got a second cup. Here you go, Chief. Uh, 
but it, you know that didn't necessarily work out. And then we had to take on Fanaf, who I love, Dion. Like I know it's crazy. Like he gets maligned almost as much as Yaroslav Modri did. <laughs> like I always seem to glom onto the players who the other fans hate. Like I was a huge, and you know this because I showed you the jersey room. <laughs> this is gonna sound crazy. Yaroslav Modri, all star, by the way. Well, you know, it's like he yeah, two all star. Because yeah. an all star, like, yeah. and because he wasn't like Ray Bork, the, the King fans can turn on you very fast. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, any organization. I'm sure the Tampa fans are like going crazy right now. Right. Uh, but like, I was a Denny Godier fan. Uh, it's crazy. Even I told Daryl Evans that one time. He looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> I was playing in the ball hockey tournament. They had at Staples Center. Uh, the King Fest, or whatever they called it. Uh, I don't know if they called it King Fest. Ho but hockey Fest? Yeah, and they had a ball hockey tournament where yep. teams from Canada played. And it was very, you know, you tell people you play ball hockey, they kind of laugh at you. But this was in the middle of the summer heat. I was, I got heat stroke two games in, and I saw Daryl Evans walking around. I'm like, hey, Mr. Evans, like, I'm a, you know, miracle on Manchester, like, plays maybe the biggest goal in king history oh, yeah yeah outside of martinez yep uh you know no doubt like can you give me the 411 on denny godier i'm a big fan <laughs> and he just looked at me and goes hey tries hard i'm like thanks man have a good day <laughs> so yeah i love uh now what's the proper enunciation because there's a lot of controversy here is it fanuf or fanoof fanuf I knew I was right. Yeah, you were so right. So to double check. I uh, like him too, by the way. And I th and and the problem is the game has changed a lot with with and I'm not talking I, earlier. I was talking about speed and playing with speed. I think the issue there is the playing with speed and and guys like Dion Phaneuf were taught at a different time and they were taught a different style of play and a style of play I know you can relate to Earl, which was the rough and tumble, the stick between the legs, the hack the hands. The tug where guys would would tug on your midsection and basically have them pull you down the ice, right? I mean, this is the way it was in the 90s and the early 2000s. It was hack, slash, grab, whatever you could get away with league. And now that has changed. You you get your stick vertical now or horizontal now and you get a penalty. It's it, You're gone for hooking. You tap a guy in the hands, you're gone for slashing. And this is the issue with, with I think, that Dion is encountering and it's that the game has changed so much and all these things he's learned over so many years, he now has to change. And you say, you can't hack a guy in the hands. You got to do, you always hear the term stick on puck. You got to get, you got to get your stick on puck. Well, no, it used to be, you could sloof with the guy or you could hack his ankle or you could, you know what I mean? There's, there's a million different tricks that you could do. You can't do that anymore. So the game is evolving and it's, I think it's at a stage where it's a little tougher for guys like that. I'm not picking on Dion Phaneuf because I like him as well. Oh no, I brought him up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think. It's it's changed so much, and it's tough to keep up with a guy like Connor McDavid, who's going full speed. And what can you do? You can't tug on him, you can't slash him, you can't do anything to bring him down anymore, unless you get a full, a clean hit on him at center ice, which never happens because you can't catch the guy. How are you going to slow a guy like that down? I think that's the some of the issues that plague Dion Phaneuf right now. I love him too. I just don't know if in today's NHL he's a guy that's going to stick around when you have younger up and coming guys. Your Sean Walkers, your Matt Roy's, guys who played a handful of games with the Kings last year. Those are the guys who have learned and have been learning for the past four, five, six years how to play a younger man's game. I mean, it's tough because, uh, you know, it's still somewhat of a physical game, although completely different. 
you know, especially in the playoffs. I mean, playoffs it, is a different animal. Yeah, it, it, completely I, different animal. It's like, you know, regular season hockey to playoff hockey is like seeing Kiss play an acoustic show and then a full show with the lasers and the bombs and the it's just like so different. Like it's so much funner to watch. Uh that I, you know, a guy like Banov is like you're right, like the speed and all that might have passed him by, but in the playoffs, you, you gotta have one guy who plays physical. Yeah. Like, uh you know, Vegas last night against the Sharks. I mean, that hit McNabb laid on, uh, I think, a tour, was it? I, I might be getting that wrong. It's like, my God. I mean, that, that's, you have to have something to combat. Yeah, right. Uh, McNabb yeah. and Reeves and uh, Carrier and like, uh, and the Sharks have, you know, Mike Haley was effective uh, yeah. in the yep. few games that he played. And, you know, when they brought him back from Florida, I'm like, Mike Haley, you talk about a dinosaur in terms of, Believe me, I love having a guy like Mike Haley in the league, but like, is he? Can he be effective? Now he's found a way to be effective. Uh, you know, Clifford uh, is yep. basically our Mike Haley, yep. maybe a little better. Yep. Uh, Tom Wilson with Washington, who I hate, but like, you need a guy like that. Oh, I'd love to have Tom. That's Wilson. why I love Curtis McDermott with the Kings. He's it's, a guy. It's, it's a similar player. Can play a younger man's game. Can can skate well enough to get by but has the physical element that scares the bejesus out of everybody out there. I mean, there yeah. are guys that want to tangle with Curtis McDermott. I mean, my only problem with McDermott, and, uh, you know, I told you this before, I, I grew up watching his dad, Paul, who was a maniac. I mean, he would take these 40-foot runs on guys, and, like, it was a clean hit back then. Like, oh, yeah, wow, yeah, back, yeah. Paul couldn't play in this league today. Uh, is uh, In terms of the element that McDermott might be best at. Now, I'm not an NHL scout, but, uh, you know, I think I have a basic borderline knowledge of NHL skills. Does he have anyone to play with, like, in terms of no one's going to fight him? I mean, Reeves might, uh, you know, maybe Wilson, but yeah. it's just... Uh, it's few and far between. So it's like, is he good enough in other areas? He might be. He didn't look completely out of place in the last. Yep. Uh, but like, I would love to have him on the team, but you know, that goes in. Well, then how do you? I don't think they can trade or release enough. Like that, his contract is just too big uh, for other teams to take on, unless you took on some of the salary. And can the, are the Kings in that position to do so? Like, well, any any salary that's picked up from Dion Phaneuf, as I understand, it's still is it twenty five percent that goes to Ottawa. Oh, okay. they're still they're on they're still on the hook for I think it's twenty five percent of his salary. Thank you, Ottawa. Yeah, thank you. Who's running that team? Uh, that's another good question. Um, but I don't think there's going to be a trade situation there. I'd be surprised if there wasn't something else that happens with the. Okay, Ottawa. yeah, so, I mean, so uh, I, like Rob Blake was talking about some buyouts, and I'm not saying he's the guy to buy out, but he said a buyout is a possibility. Could it be Dion Phaneuf? We don't know. Jeff Carter's another guy. You know what I mean? You mentioned the the injury, the Achilles injury, which is devastating, but. He's got three years left on his on his deal and is close to playing a thousand games. And he denied in exit interviews, he denied ever talking about retirement during the season and whatever. He's another question mark. What do you do with a guy who's getting up there in age and isn't putting up the numbers he once did? Similar type player to Fanuf, although he's a forward, but the numbers were down, the money's up. What do you do with a player like that? There are the, these are the questions that that Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille are facing right now. I mean, I would have thought at the trade deadline, and once again, I'm I'm a I think I'm a pretty level headed fan. I, I don't expect 
you know, teams aren't going to go out of their way to help the Kings, like, you know, or any other team. They, like, they did that for like, three or four years. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, thank you, Columbus. Yeah. I appreciate your uh, Philly. generosity in Philly. Just you should have gotten some rings for our cups. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I now, of course, you know, who knows? Maybe they had a trade for Carter. And he said, no, I'm not going there. I've not I've not heard that. But like. Maybe they approach him, hey, would you go to this team? You know, Nashville needs scoring, you know. No, I'm not going to play Nashville or wherever. Uh, you know, that I, I would think the turnaround could happen faster than normal if some action could be had on, on Carter, possibly Quick, which it, I have so much love for Jonathan Quick. Like, but you know, I often say this about the world of stand-up comedy: it's a cold business. With uh, you know uh, Jack Campbell and uh, Peterson, the Miners. I mean, I, me personally, I would. It's, it's tough because you got us two cups, but it's like we need help. You know, you make him. His salary is not horrible. Where another team who might need goaltending might take a chance on that. Now, what you get for him is another. Once again, I, I think I'm being pretty realistic. I mean, what could you get for, let's just putting our fantasy hockey hats on. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think of teams that need goaltending, you know, maybe a team that loses in the playoffs in the, the sec, upcoming second round. And, you know, you know, who knows? For Calgary. You know, uh, you know, that's a you know that you don't see those interdivision trades much anymore. But uh, Edmonton, yeah, I mean, quick would make Edmonton much better. Uh, but that's a thing where Philly, Philly. Uh, but they got a young got kid. They got a young heart. kid coming up, but not but not ready yet, from what I understand. Uh, you know, I, I mean, quick could get you something pretty decent. Uh, you know, uh, and I'm not trying to say you, you got to keep some guys. You can't just trade everyone. But, you know, Carter, like in the right situation. So Jake Muzzin got you a first round pick. And I love the kid. They and got Carl Grundstrom, who, who is bowling ball. Reminds me a lot of Dustin Brown, a little lighter playing Dustin Brown, but has a similar style. I see Thomas Holmstrom. That's our home. Street. Yeah, that's simply that's a good that's a good uh, connection. Yeah, a slightly cleaner. Like I would prefer, uh, you know, in, in today's NHL, dirtier players are the new goons, if you will. Yeah. Uh, you know, I see uh, Grundstrom is like our Marshawn, our Tom Wilson, Matthew like Kachuk. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I hate Kachuk, but I'd love to have him on the Kings. <laughs> I mean, that guy causes more problems. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, you know, it, it's. Those are basically the new tough guys of the NHL, right, right. guys who can play and cause trouble because they know there's not going to really be any consequences. So if Muzzin can get you a first round pick, a number one prospect, and what a, f a third round pick, and well, the defenseman uh, Dursey was it Sean? Yeah, Sean uh, Dursey. Yep. So that's a pretty good haul, right? And it was hard to let go of Muzzin, you know, right? But you know, you can't keep everyone. You but can't trade everyone. Toronto may not make it out of the first round. Well, uh, you know, I like uh, Babcock as a coach, uh, but he, um, you know, he's kind of one of those coaches that is he evolving with this game? Like, uh, you know, he loves to have a big fourth line, which has a kid from the 80s I love, but this ain't the 80s. Like, I feel like Richard Crenna talking to Stallone in the hardware store. It's over, Johnny. 
and it, Babcock, it ain't the 80s. You know, he's old school, which I love. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it's kind of this old school work. I mean, there's I've seen some uh, not negative uh, reviews, but, you know, is McClellan too old school? Uh, I don't think he is, but, uh, you know, I, I think he's a guy who will hold certain players more accountable, which this uh, team needs, I think. Well, you know, it's a tough, uh, you know, the Kings are, you know, it's like what kind of coach do they need? Like you've got some vets, some rookies or uh, younger players, you know, you need a coach that is good with both. And very few coaches are good with both. Right. Yeah. You know, you're either, uh, you know, like I think veterans loved playing for Sutter because he's a no uh be careful of my language here. A BS. I, I think that's the, no nonsense. Yes. Yeah. You're much better with words than me. I, but, you know, maybe not the best with the kids. Uh, you know, and then you have some uh, coaches who are better teachers, and maybe the vets aren't going to be, you're not going to teach me how to play. Like, I already know how to play. Thanks for the advice. So, uh, you know, McClellan's an interesting uh, choice because. He's going to have both. And a few yep. players who are in between that yep. uh, young and old, uh, you know, uh, situations. So he's also a guy though, that, that has dealt with a lot of that. Like you look at Edmund, you look at the guys he had in San Jose first for a number of years. You had the, the Thorntons and the Pavelskis and the Couture's and the, you know, the guys like that who have been around for a while. Patrick Marlowe was there. And then you had all this younger influx of kids. So he had to teach kind of both. Then he goes to Edmonton. And he's got the best player in hockey in Connor McDavid. You're rolling your eyes. One of the best. No, he's in so no. I but he is the he is so good at such a high speed. Right. Uh, I mean, I I haven't seen a player like him, and uh, just who's so good at that speed. Like it, it, the only other player is McKinnon, which at least in the playoffs, he's really good too. Yeah, yeah uh, he does have that. I never really realized how good he was until. Uh, some of these games in Calgary, it's like, wow. He just takes over the game. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, he imposes his will on, on other teams. I, it's I mean, impressive. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, McClellan's definitely uh, had both, uh, but I think he, you know, was hamstrung by, you know, maybe not the best put together roster. Oh, for sure. I mean, I get wanting, you know, uh, Yakupov, Nugent Hopkins, and Taylor Hall, and, and uh, McDavid, and, and uh, some of the other uh, higher picks that they had. But, you know, it's, are you guys going to draft a defenseman? How about, I mean, I like Talbot as a goalie. I think Talbot on a good team is a very good goalie, but like. You got no help in front of him. Yeah. It, it's you, like, They needed a goalie and they needed a couple of defensemen. That's, that's where they went. Too many forwards. You got 10 forwards. All, you know, the most, most of them were high draft picks. And then what do you have? What do you have left after that? You can't just think you're going to score eight goals a night and you're going to win eight, seven. I mean, in the eighties. Yeah. You could do that. It's not the eighties anymore. And you know, a guy like Lucic, I mean, I was a fan of that deal when the Kings got him. I thought, Hey, you know, power forward. I mean, on paper, I thought Gabbert, Kopitar, Lucic, that's like the perfect line. It's got everything. Gabbert's got the speed and hands. Kopitar's got uh, defensive responsibility, enough hands to score more than most defensive-minded centers. And Lucic is like... Steamroller. Just with enough skill yep. that you can, you know, put him with those other two. And it just... 
you know, I think he was too slow to play with uh, Kopitar and Gabbert. Uh, you know, so you know, it just didn't work out, and so. But you know, now Edmonton's he's Edmonton's problem now, and good luck getting rid of that contract. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, good luck in the future, Edmonton. <laughs> I mean, that, you talk about the GM who overtakes that team, the mess yeah, he's going to have. What's Keith Gretzky right now? Right. I mean, so that's going to be a, a whirlwind to decide what contracts to get rid of there, and who to buy out, and who to move, and. Because the Hall trade, you know, looking back, uh, you kind of wish you had kept Hall. I mean, I know they did. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, it's easy to say that now because, yeah. oh, Larson's pretty good. He's kind of, you know, he's a defenseman. I'll give him that. They finally got a defenseman. But, you know, and then Sakara's been hurt a lot. Uh, you know, so that team is might be in worse roster shape than the Kings in terms of, like, what do you do with them? Right. We've got all these forwards. Right. And, They've got a couple bad deals now, and now they need a goaltender. You know, so quick. You know, I'd hate to deal him to Edmonton, you know, or Calgary, but uh, you know, he'd look. You know, he could get us something good back. I would think. I don't know what that is though. It, does he get Jake Muzzin returns? Well, you, you know, it. Uh, you know, I think Edmonton is probably starting to wise up. To, and I'm not trying to be like fantasy hockey, like throw wacky deals out there, but they do need goaltending. Calgary, you know, I wouldn't be adverse to re-signing Mike Smith after how he played. Uh, but, you know, I, I get the feeling from my ear to the ground that that's probably not going to happen. Uh, so, you know, you've got Quick and Smith, you know, potential destinations. Uh, I, I would have thought Quick possibly might have been dealt at the deadline, but, you know, obviously you know you couldn't find a team that needed goaltending that bad so you know i think the king's turnaround the whole point of this rambling <laughs> is it could happen sooner than later if the right deals can be had but i don't uh you know i'm I'm starting to believe carter will be a king for life i, I just don't know you know at, at his rate uh of the contract and you know the I still think he has gas in the tank, but, you know, that injury is scary. Uh, but, you know, you take a team that's desperate for scoring and that is he's willing to go to, and that gets you second-round pick. I, I think that's realistic. Maybe not. You know, you know, I don't know. You know, deals are wacky. You know, you, some teams overpay, some don't. Uh, and I think, it, I think when, you, when you, as you approach the trade deadline, that'll become more clear. June twenty first, things will become a lot more clear. What what teams? Because by then you'll know who won the cup, who got bounced out early, who's in need of what. Teams will say, "We need goaltending. We need a right wing. We need a third line center." We so they'll start putting checks in certain boxes and saying, "This is what we need. This is where we can go to get it." So I think by June twenty first, you'll you'll have a much better idea of who might be going where. Well, I also think, uh, yeah, totally. I mean, you look at Tampa, you think on paper, this team's perfect. Right. Like, uh, they've got everything. Defense, goaltending. Uh, some people might say the best player in the league in Kucherov, uh, you know. But I, I, I agree with you. I think McDavid's the, the best player in the league. But, uh, you know, I'm sure they're looking at their, even they're looking at their roster right. going, what, what happened? Need? Yeah, what do we need here? Uh, toughness. Any toughness? 
I mean, that's, you know, I thought they would sweep Columbus, uh, but I thought it would be a sweep, much like the Kings getting swept against Vegas. Close like every, games. Every game would be close. Yep. Uh, my only concern, uh, and I think I said this on a few podcasts I went on, was will they be able to uh, put up with the physical play in the playoffs? And no, they didn't. Uh, Bro, they were up 3 nothing in the first period of game one. Yeah. And then had a complete meltdown should have been actually for nothing because uh kucherov took a pass from stamkos kind of whiffed on it and bobrovsky made the save would have been for nothing at that point and then it's i don't care what name it's lights out you're not coming back from for nothing three nothing's one thing for nothing's a whole different story the three nothing and then columbus scores that turned around the whole series yeah it's a whole different ball game if it's for nothing first period i remember watching the first period and saying Oh, totally. This is going to be quick. This is done. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, boom, here comes a goal. Here comes a goal. Here comes a goal. Columbus is right back in the game. Never look back. And absolutely dominated Tampa Bay. Well, I think nobody the- thought was going to happen. Oh, no. So I, Tampa I, Bay, you're going, what did, What happened? What did we do? And how do we prevent this from happening again? Well, I think I, part of that is the toughness. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for some, I love John Tortorella. Like, just for his post-game interviews. Yeah. He's, yeah, dynamite. If you go on YouTube, there's like 50 fan-made, uh, put-together compilation videos of his post-game pressers, which uh, I don't know if the team's publicists are fans of him, but has a fan. <laughs> his exchanges with Larry Brooks in New York. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Legendary. Where he just calls Larry Larry Brooks, for those of you who don't know, which I'm assuming is all of you, is a... I personally don't like his style of reporting because he seems to almost uh, relish antagonizing uh, whatever coaches in New York, but especially Tortorella. And Tortorella would just call him out, basically go, you're a fat slob. Why am I listening to how I should coach through you? I bet you got beat up at the bus stop. And like the whole room would laugh. I, I like Tortorella's crankiness. Yeah. And for whatever reason... And I believe he's very much like uh, Sutter. And I think he's good for about three to five years with the team. And then the message gets a little, yeah. the the orneriness. Is that a word? Orneriness? It is now. Yeah, well, there you go. It's the USC education. <laughs> Me and OJ are the most famous alumni. It's OJ Mayo. hey I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I think right now he's in the zone with Columbus. And they enjoy playing for him which you'd think they wouldn't because he's kind of a uh, <laughs> he's a tough guy to deal with. Players say he's a player's players coach, though. Yeah, he sticks up for his players. Yeah, he'd run through a wall for you. Uh, which is what Brooks, or uh, what, which is what he would do in New York when Brooks would yeah. say, well, you shouldn't play, uh, you know, this guy. And, and you know, uh, Wade Redden shouldn't have taken this penalty. And, and Tortorella would go, no, he should have taken the penalty. What would you have done? You blank blank uh but then it seems to kind of wear off uh you know maybe as soon as the winning dips which you could argue happened with kings and sutter you you know yeah yeah oh we love you you're players coach and you're mean to us we're winning cups we're good it's like they uh scotty bowman was the same way when uh oh yeah yeah i think they asked larry robinson what's it like to play for bowman he's like i hate him but i love him when i get my ring you know, which is a great, like, oh, yeah. But then, you know, even Bowman was like, as soon as, like, the winning dips, you're like, oh, he's in blankety blank. Time to get another coach. 
So are you picking Columbus to win the Stanley Cup then? Did I just hear you do that? Well, let me say this. And we're going to get back real briefly to a possible selection uh, at number five uh, for the Kings. Uh, Columbus right now reminds me of the Bad News Bears. The, the first Bad News Bears in 76. Not that garbage with Billy Bob Thornton, please. How do you remake the Bad News Bears? My God. You look at the Bad News Bears in 76 with Tanner Boyle. They no way they should have gotten to the Little League Finals. Now, I realize I'm analyzing a fictional movie, but on paper, there's no way Columbus should be doing well because, uh, you know, and this is, you talk about an interesting offseason, no matter what they do. And it might even get worse if they win the cup. You know, where's Panarin end up going? Does he stay? Does he go? Bobrovsky, uh, uh, Duchesne, uh, their three best players, arguably, uh, potentially could walk for nothing. Yep. Which was the big thing at the deadline. Uh, I think they were the second most interesting team at the deadline, uh, other than the Kings, because I know the Vultures were circling the Kings, and I'm sure the Kings got some pretty bad offers. Hey, we'll give you, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Yeah, an eighth round pick for quick uh, in Carter. I'm sure they got some bad offers for him and, and other play. I'm sure even Dowdy was like, you know, Hey, we'll give you a, you know, a ninth round pick for Dowdy. You guys good with that? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, Columbus had that choice. Do we keep him? Yeah. And they had no guarantee of getting into the playoffs. Nope. So I loved what they did. Like we're going all in. And, uh, but I, there's some about them that like, they love playing for Tortorella right now. I, I do think they're going to win the cup. It's crazy. It's only one round, and it's not. It's just they believe. They remind me of the Kings, uh, the 2012 Kings. Yeah, they believe. Jared Stoll scores the uh, game-winning goal against Vancouver. You upset. You have an eight seed that upsets the number one seed. Canada's going crazy. Oh, who can believe this? Who are these guys? And then the Kings go on a roll and absolutely, you know, steamroll everybody else in the playoffs. They, I don't know if Columbus is going to steamroll everybody because competition's kind of fierce this year, especially in the East. Um, but the way they played and the confidence that they played with is is really impressive right now. And they've got good goaltending, and they've got some guys who can score, and they've got team toughness. So I don't know. I'm not picking Columbus to win the cup, but I wouldn't be shocked if they made a good run. Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, maybe I'm uh, just have the highness of their first round uh, upset still in my brain. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I, I get the feeling, I, I personally think they're going to lose all those players. Uh, I mean, it, it's a cutthroat, you know, they want money. You think they all walk? I do. Yeah. Uh, and I don't blame them. Like, as a comic who has to... I'm not trying to get myself involved, but like as someone who like, you know, you got to make the best deal for you. You know, I take gigs that I, you know, are money driven for me. Uh, I might not want to do them, but uh, oh, you're going to pay me that much. Yeah. I'm sure Panarin's going to get great offers. Uh, Bob Roth, you talk about Quick and Smith being candidates to go elsewhere. I mean, I'm sure Bobrovsky, especially if he wins the cup, he'll get what he wants from any team. Yeah, in the league. right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Duchesne. Is certainly, uh, I don't know if he's helped his reputation with how he's left, you know, Colorado and Ottawa, uh, you know, but, you know, if he helps get a cup, you know, he'll get what he wants, you know, within reason. Uh, I I get the feeling they're bonding over, hey, this is it, guys. 
Let's do it. Yeah, let's go on top. We'll all three be on different yeah. teams next year. Yeah. But well, look at Barry Trotz with Washington. Yeah. Barry Trotz wins the cup and then see you later. Now he's coaching the Islanders. Well, I think in that case, he felt, from my, my very few inside sources in the league, he felt disrespected by uh, just, not having a contract. Uh, well, not for yeah, not being made. Just like, hey, I just want you guys a cup. Like, yeah, they did the opposite. A little respect. They did the opposite of what Lombardi did. Like Lombardi, you might argue, was over loyal, uh, which in today's athletic world is almost a bad thing to be. Uh, Washington was under loyal. Like, oh, thanks for the cup. Beat it, toots. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think there's trem- a tremendous amount of loyalty from either uh, players or uh, management, coaches, managers. Uh, it's what have you done for me tomorrow? And, you know, I, I don't know what Washington's thinking was. You know, like, hey, thanks for the cup. <laughs> we'll take it from here. Or maybe Trotz was, you know, I haven't heard that he was over uh, zealous with wacky contract demands, but maybe, right. you know, he came in with unrealistic, uh, but he got you a cup. Like, it's, it's Washington. It's not exactly a hockey town. Like, Ovechkin could probably walk around the streets naked and <laughs> no one would know who he was. Now, he might like that. <laughs> not walking around naked but like which i think is a selling point getting back to uh, trying to have all roads lead back to the kings i yeah. don't think the, and i don't think they're going to be involved in the free agent market that much uh but what a place to play where you can have your anonymity but still be on a great team you know which goes back to kovalchuk I mean, I would recognize him in Beverly Hills, but like he probably walks around Beverly Hills and no one knows who he is. Yeah, no one says two words. It's great. It, and and most of them live in the South Bay. So most of them live on the, literally live on the beach. Which you might argue is maybe that's not the best environment to be a pro athlete in. I mean. But if you're a pro athlete and you say, I got a wife and kids or I'm a single guy, where else do I want to be? Do I want to be in Edmonton or do I want to be in Hermosa Beach? I mean, I don't know what went into Todd McClellan's. Even you go back to coach, uh, you know, basically I think he had his choice between Buffalo and L.A. And I, I love Rick Jenneret in Buffalo. That's my boy. It's really the sole reason I bought DirecTV was just to hear him call Great games. Call. Great. Oh, he's like, I mean, just his his enthusiasm. Yeah. Even at his age, because yeah. he's a little older. Yeah. It's like sells hockey to me like this is i mean i'm not saying you should market him as like the voice of the league but like just his uh just respect for the game uh-huh. uh, you know much like bob miller yep. uh which is why i love alex faust uh i mean to, to have to take over for bob miller i mean that's like, tough that, that's like no one wants that that's like being adam carolla <laughs> taking over for howard stern it was like you're doomed for failure like right it, and you know or david lee roth yeah, I mean, well, it's some people might, you know, do, I mean, uh, I, well, it, you know, David Lee Roth is out of his mind. Uh, you know, he put his hand on my knee once at Crazy Girls, uh, the strip club, and uh, that it's not my life anymore. But like, and he's like, you look dangerous. I'm like, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> this is the last time I've been to a strip club. I was like, You're Diamond Dave, man. Come on. David Lee Roth had the best quote. With Fred Corey from Cinderella, who is a uh, king. He's a uh, friend of mine. 
He's the best. Fred's a uh, friend of mine. Fred's awesome. Uh, he was thinking of leaving Cinderella, and he said he asked David Lee Roth for advice, and uh, he said David Lee Roth looked at him and said, you buy the land, you get the Indians. And it's like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> well, that's David Lee Roth. Uh, so, it, you know, there's still a lot of hockey left in the playoffs, yep. uh, but I, uh, you know, Vegas looks good. I mean, it's game seven. What do you like in that series? I pick Vegas to win it. I pick Vegas to go to the Western Conference Final and lose to Tampa Bay in the Stanley Cup Final. So that gets you whatever. Well, but but I still I still like Vegas. I like the way Vegas plays. Vegas is a team that's got four lines that can do whatever, whenever. They've got six essentially number three defensemen. There's no Drew Doughty on that team. There's no Eric Carlson on that team. There's no big stud, right? So you've got you've got basically six number three defensemen who you can put out at any time of the game, and you're not going to have any issues matching them up against anybody. And then you got really good goaltending in Mark Andre Fleury. That's why I like Vegas, and they just keep coming and coming and come. Their back checking is relentless. Their forwards can put the puck in the net now with Mark Stone. Uh, they added Stastny this year. Like all these guys, they had a really good team last year, and then they added Pacioretty, Stone, Stastny. I don't know who's going to beat them. I'd be I'd be surprised as good as San Jose is. I'd be surprised if San Jose beats them in Game Seven. Well, I think uh, home ice in uh, the NHL. Uh, I almost I don't want to say it doesn't mean anything, but like I it's think a little overhyped. Yeah, I think if you're a road team, I mean, you look at the Kings in their uh, their first cup. I mean, they went uh, through uh, most teams on the road. Yep. Uh, yep. you know, I mean, that's a great fan base in San Jose. And so I'm sure the free, if you can weather the first seven minutes where it's like all in and complete craziness, I, I think the advantage switches to the, the road team. Uh, and Vegas has a tendency to score goals early in the game. Like yeah. The I first mean, minute or 90 seconds of the game, they score a goal. Well, I just love their GM, the, the legend of George, George McPhee. McPhee. I mean, he is one he of did the it right. Well, yeah, right. He got good. Good luck to Seattle in the next expansion draft, because there's no way they're going to be able to mimic what what George McPhee did in Vegas. You well, can try, but teams are going to be smarter. They're not going to give up the pieces they gave up in order to make their deals in in the draft with Vegas. I just think it's if you think Seattle's going to come out gangbusters like Vegas did and go to the Stanley Cup final and have a really good team in your first two years. Good luck. That's. I just think it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Well, I just, you know. Teams are more wary. Yeah, I mean, McPhee, who, you know, made his bones as a tough guy in the league. You know, he won the Hobie Baker Award. Like, so he he had skills. Yeah, yeah. But he, I think, put it together pretty early on. If I'm going to stay in the league, I got to fight. Uh, And he did. And he fought everyone. I mean, he fought Dave Brown. I think McPhee's 5'9". I don't know what he weighs now. Uh but in his playing days, he was maybe 175. Not and a big guy. Dave Brown was 6'5", 220, and yeah. he held his own. Yeah. Uh, he had an old-school mentality. I mean, just the fact that he went out and traded for Ryan Reeves, most players or most teams in this era would be like, uh, I don't want Ryan Reeves. Like, he's just he's just too – that skill set is not needed. And Reeves is a big part of uh, – Oh, yeah. That fourth line in Vegas is like... And he plays minutes. It's yeah. not like he plays two minutes a night. He's out there playing every single night. And he's totally unnerved uh, Kane. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know... Uh, although I, I found in the last game or two, they're trying to neutralize Reeves by letting him do his thing and not reacting. 
but I love the animosity him and Kane have toward each other. It's, it's really, uh, I mean, there's nothing that beats NHL playoff hockey. It's refreshing. Well, it's just, <laughs> it's the intensity is, is like that Columbus uh, lightning series was just like, I have nothing invested in either team, uh, but wow, that was great hockey. And just, oh, the, yeah, yeah. Every play meant something. And, and just the the animosity that it was like clean animosity, like Dubinsky and, and, uh, he was going after Kucherov the whole time. And, and, but it was clean. It was like, wasn't necessarily dirty. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it only gets more intense. Like, you know, Columbus, who's Columbus get in the second round? The winner of, uh, Toronto, Boston. I believe that's correct. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's a tough, you know, game set. I don't know who, uh, is, I always say in game seven, it's whoever screws up the least. I don't think that's you can fair. say that's fair. Either team wants it more. I mean, you're game seven, both teams want it. Right. Uh, but it's wh whoever doesn't make the, yeah, the boo boos. Yeah. So uh, that's a great series, uh, you know, Columbus versus either of those teams. And, you know, uh, Vegas, St. Louis is, uh, I mean, you know, Wow, I th I liked Winnipeg uh, to get to the uh, at least the conference finals, but you know that's an interesting team in the off season as well. You know they have a lot of questions. They went all in with so Hayes good in the regular season, and then look what happens. You know they got you know Trubas always on the the market. It seems you know uh, you know are they wearing thin of Bufflin's uh, shtick? I love Bufflin, but like. You know, they got to look at themselves, maybe the coach, you know, who knows? You know, he's at that point where I think Sutter and, and Tortorella get, uh, you know, all right, he's had a nice run. Is it enough? So uh, I think it's going to be a fascinating offseason. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, uh, I mean, I said before, a lot's going to come become more clear as we get closer to June 21st. But I don't think, as it relates to the Kings, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of uh, – uh, movement, so to speak. I think, you know, they've got their draft picks. They want to rebuild with the draft or, re or restock, so to speak. But I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of movement. Maybe a couple of guys. I don't know if the chatter is there about the guys we were talking about before. I don't know if there's interest there. So I think it's going to be, it'll become more clear, but I don't, don't expect a lot of big name movement as we've seen over the last couple of seasons. Well, I mean, the number five pick to me is interesting because, uh, you know, it, you know, like I think Kovalchuk's future on this team, you know, if they keep him, there is, I don't want to butcher this kid's name, uh, but there's a Russian kid uh, who's very, uh, he's a bit of an enigma, Vasily Podkolzin. That's I'll, it. Oh, that yeah. wasn't right? Oh, bingo. Uh, that's a guy who might be there at number five. It, like, uh, depending on obviously what the devil, you, you got to figure the devils and Rangers at, at, at Hughes and Caco at the worst Caco and Hughes. So they're off the board. And then it's kind of like from three to seven, it's like, there's a lot of, you know, what Chicago does, you know, um, avalanche, you know, if cousins is available at mm -hmm. five, mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's, It'd be nice. There's another defenseman in there too, uh, Byram. Yeah, who's supposed to be really good, and they say NHL ready. Yeah, tough for a defenseman to be 18 years old and play in the NHL, but 
they say he's he's one that could possibly do that. But you know, I would think if uh, if McClellan, Blake, whoever robotizes the Kovalchuk, hey, you know, uh, this is your role on the team. If you're happy with it, we want you on the team. You draft the Russian kid, you know, as like a mentor. I I would think you know I know with Russians, there's always the the fear that they won't come over. Uh, I know the Kings have another prospect. Yep. Uh, what's uh, starts with a P too? Uh, yeah, um, I can't think. Of I don't name. mean to put you under but, the gun, but no, but he's there. Have been there's been talk about him, and will he come over and play a game right in the United States? And we haven't seen that yet. But I would think you so know that's, that's that could be an issue. You're if right. Ko- Kovalchuk, you know, I, I'm assuming Kovalchuk is a god to younger Russian players, right? Uh, much like Ovechkin probably is, mm-hmm. uh, much like Yager was to the younger Czech players. So uh, I, I know I've, we've mentioned Kovalchuk a lot on this podcast, but like I, he's a key piece to, you know, if if they, I don't think they can uh, move him. Like he's just he makes too much, and still two years left. I think I don't want to say we're stuck with him because I like him. I think he's just what we need uh, in terms of you know goal scoring. Uh, you know, and with the right coach, I I could see him getting twenty goals. He'll be a point of game guy next year. I He'll you be know a point of game player. Oh, I believe so. I, I just and you know I don't want to like once again take one final jab at Desjardins. You know I don't know if he thought hey if I do well I'll be the coach next year. I don't know what he was told. Uh, uh, you know I always thought uh, you know the Kings are paying. This year, at least, they were paying three head coaches, you yep. know, uh, mm-hmm. Sutter, Stevens, and I'll assume, and I'm not trying to, you don't have to say anything, because I'm respectful of Mr. Joseph coming. Thanks, <laughs> well, no, I mean, I know I've said this to you a hundred times <laughs> off air. I'm not going to ask you any wacky questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to, you know, I think Jim Fox is thinking about coming on the podcast, but he's probably seen some of my stand-up acting. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, hey, Earl, I love you, but uh, I got a job. Um, you know, I do some, uh, let's just say, uh, edgy material. Uh, I'll assume Desjardins possibly wasn't the first choice but it was like well we can pay him the least and you know if we weren't paying Sutter and Stevens maybe you go after a, a, a bigger name, bigger name. sure yeah uh, you know now is Sutter off the books now officially I believe he is and then Stevens maybe we have mm, to give him a few bucks still yeah, I think so uh, but it's not enough where you could you know not go after a guy like McClellan uh I know uh, Elaine Vigneault was, was a possible name. Uh, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, Hired in Philly. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, Philly's an interesting, uh, yep. you know, that, that's another. There's a lot of interesting rosters uh, in the offseason. What does Philly do? You know, uh, you know, did the Simmons trade, you know, work out for them? Who knows? Uh, you know, they've got some good young talent. Hart's, uh, you know, a great goalie. Is he ready yet? You know, I'd love to see Quick as a mentor to the kid, uh, but um, where are you winking at me? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, at first, you know, in the middle of the year, I really thought Quick and Philly—that's a great uh, matchup. And you know, I'm not trying to get rid of Quick. I'm I'm a loyal person, so like, Jesus. but you know, like we said for the last hour, you know, over loyalty can be a bad thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, maybe Philly wouldn't. You know, I think with Hart's emergence, maybe they feel they don't need a you know a Smith or a, a Bobrovsky or you know a quick uh, you know you gotta 
It's got to be that one team out there that's on the rise that needs that goaltender. And Jonathan Quick's an East Coast guy. Yeah, I mean, maybe a team like Buffalo. And, and, Who knows? You know, I'm not, once again, I'm not, I, I like to be reasonable. You go on like uh, Hockey Buzz or Eklund's site, and I have no affiliation with any of these rumor sites, but like, you see some of these trade offers. It's like, Jesus Christ. Let's let's trade for Panarin in the offseason. You don't have to, you dummy. He's a free agent. Let's. uh, How about the Kings go after Austin Matthews? Well, that would be great. I I would love Austin Matthews. For for who exactly? For Clifford and uh, McDermott. (laughs) And hell, we'll throw in uh, uh, Boko Amama from Ontario, (laughs) who I I love. I mean, it's a different era. He. I love Boko and Mama, yeah, yeah, but it's just a different era. Uh, but he did well in Ontario. He, he, he did all right. They, at the end of the year, they sent him down to Manchester. So I think he's still playing with Manchester right now in the ECHL. You know, he had Boko and Mama, maybe one of the last tough guys to come out of junior hockey. Yep. Uh, yep. But, uh, you know, it's hard for a guy like that to, uh, you know, for these junior tough guys. And now even in junior hockey, they're limiting the fighting rules yep. and uh, the yep. face shields certainly uh, – you know, wearing a shield, you know, probably limits the amount of times guys want to hit their hands on those things. Because mm-hmm. I believe in uh, junior hockey, they might wear full shields uh, or three-quarter shields at least. So up, that, Yeah, up until 16, 17. So yeah. that, that uh, you know, the junior tough, you know, fighting is basically being eliminated, uh, which, you know, I have mixed feelings on just because, you know, you look at the last – couple years you know where you know the Bugards and the Belax and the Ripians uh you know their you know ultimate demise is like oh maybe I shouldn't like the fighting like you know same thing with the UFC you know it's different you know I had Don Fry on who fought in the first couple UFCs he was like the first celebrity guest I had on this podcast and you know, I remember the UFC when it's kind of like the NHL in the seventies. It's like pretty much anything goes, everything legal but ball shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and even that was like not necessarily frowned upon. And you know, when he got up to leave, he, you know, I, I kind of help him up. Like, I said, wow, you know. So I, you know, I have mixed feelings on fighting, and you know, I definitely, I somewhat miss it. You know, I miss the opening. Uh, Fights, you know, Gord Donnelly used to have with, you know, Rudy Poshek and, you know, Darren Kimball, who's my new Twitter buddy. It's what I love about Twitter is you can grow up watching a guy like Darren Kimball fight. Oh, you know, tough. Well, you know, he, unfortunately oh. for him, he, you know, was never the same after the Probert fight. Yeah. And, you know, that's another guy, Probert. Yeah. Uh, but you can talk with Darren Kimball on Twitter. Like, it's so neat to me, too. Twitter is horrible for the most part. A lot of trolls, you know, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, but like the fact that I get to communicate with Darren Kimball, you know, on a daily basis, is just like, where are you, Rudy Poshek and Jeff Jackson? <laughs> is don't you miss though? Don't you miss in, along that line? I miss like a cheap shot late in a game, and then the build up to the next time those two teams play. And you see the the first two lines at start. Who sends out? The coach sends out the first two guys that were involved in the scrap in the last game. And you know, right off the draw, they're going to drop their gloves and go at it. Don't you miss that? There was something. There, it was like 
Buffalo's playing Montreal tonight. And you know, Rob Ray and Nyland. George LaRock or Chris Nyland are going to drop the gloves and just throw hammers. Like right off the opening face. There was something to that 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 I miss. I know I know exactly what you're saying with the concussions and all this. It's tough. The brain I mean, injuries and all that. It's 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 changed. But boy, there was something to that. Well, there's just an excitement to uh I mean there were so many king games where uh you know that were just like octagon hockey and, and uh, like one of my fondest memories, you know, from the 80s as a king was when uh, it was Buffalo. They were playing L.A. and they didn't really play each other a lot. Uh, so, But for some reason, this game at the Forum was unusually nasty. And uh, Larry Playfair, uh, who was playing on Buffalo at the time, uh, he was kind of being a bully. And he was the toughest guy in the league at the time. And Brian McClellan, the, the Washington Capitals general manager, but he was a king uh, in his early days beat the you-know-what out of Larry Playfair, and it just galvanized the whole building because it was like, oh, my God, Larry Playfair just got his butt handed to him. by, And you just don't see that anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just There was an yeah. energy, like you say, to, uh, you know, like, you know, the Nordiques when they would play Montreal. And now, granted, that's a regional, like, you know, people think the Kings and Ducks have a rivalry or, you know, I know now people are like the Sharks in Vegas have this, you know, the Nordiques in Montreal was just like craziness. Like Dale Hunter, like spearing Larry Robinson. And then you'd have John Cordick, you know, another, oh, uh, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so I, it, it, it's such a dilemma to me. It's just a fan uh, to see that era of the game gone. I'm not, I mean, I, I think it's probably glad you get rid of the, the meaningless fights that probably yeah. slow down the game. But even then I, I kind of miss like having a guy like Wayne Van Dorp in the league. Just this guy who literally looked like sloth from the Goonies he had no skill other than to just cause trouble. But it, it gave the game an energy that I don't know. And I know you got to go cause you got to battle the traffic to get back to the, uh, the iron curtain of, you know, El Segundo. But I've had this conversation a lot with how does the NHL make the regular season a little more exciting? Now, I understand you can't maintain playoff-style hockey for 81 games. In, in the, but to me, the biggest problem with the NHL is a lot of the games just have the vibe of a scrimmage. Uh, and I don't know. I'm not seeing you let fighting back in the game, although I wouldn't be against it. Uh you know, there's something like uh, there's an energy to the game that a guy like Ryan Reeves gives that is just unbelievable. One hundred percent. And it's it, like he's like the last of the Mohicans, and and you know I think McDermott could be a very effective player, but I just don't know if he has enough guys to make his spot on the roster. Uh, meaningful. Like those guys aren't in the league anymore. Yeah, it's like who it's do a we handful. Yeah, who do we play? I mean, but Reeves has shown, oh, I can play in every game. Yeah, right. Maybe McDermott could be our Reeves. Right. But, uh, so. uh, you know, I just, I'm spoiled by the playoffs this year. Like, it's hard to watch NHL regular season hockey sometimes. We've actually had fights in the playoffs, too. Yeah. Which is, which is good to um, see. I mean, Novechkin knocking out Svechnikov is not, it's not fun to watch, but it's, but I like that kid. It, but it brings back those memories and that the way the game used to be played. 
Because that kid came up. Kind of had it coming, to be honest. You you want to you want to run around and you want to, you know, some at some point you have to pay the piper, right? But I like that kid. Like he went up to Ovechkin and said, uh, "You know, I know you're the, you know, I know we've said McDamon, 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 Matt Damon. Jesus Christ, <laughs> I'm not usually up this early. Uh, I mean, McDavid's probably the best pure." all-around player but you know Ovechkin you could argue he might be the best player in the game but certainly the best goal scorer oh yeah, yeah uh I like how one he fought the kid he probably didn't have to uh and I like how the kid said I don't care if you're the best goal scorer in the league I don't like how you're playing against us because I just think Ovechkin takes runs of guys and he's probably protected in this era sure of oh no one's gonna fight me because they don't want to you know take the instigator and I've got Tom Wilson over there but I do like how he but he said, I'm, I'll, okay, yeah. and I'll drop the gloves and we'll go. Let's go. Now, you've been on the ice or ice level when a fight like that happens. Uh, from your area where you watch the games, which is basically on ice, wh- what um, effect does that have on the team when you see a player like that get knocked out cold? For for the say for Carolina, like you know, because oh, uh, I know the Kings have had a few players, you know, uh, you know that have, you know, like when who was it when BX uh, did his Superman punch against oh, yeah. Clifford? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like that was like a, you know, Andre Olaski against Fedor, uh, like th- that had a well, there was uh, there was the Ryan Flynn one for many years ago too, where he Brad fell, Brown fell back on yeah. ice and cracked his head open, and they had to bring the stretcher out. There's two ways a team can react. And a lot of times it's deflating where you see the team actually go, wow, now what do we do? It can also re-energize a team to say, we got to step it up. And it seems weird to say that, but you see your guy, one of your guys go down and you say, we got to get that back. We got to get that energy back and you become more energized. Uh, So sometimes it can have an adverse effect, but I think a lot of the times it actually gets you, gets you going even more inside from what I've seen. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you, know, you don't want to see a guy get hurt like that. That's oh, never. Thing. I don't even think Ovechkin wanted to see him get hurt. And as soon uh, as soon as Svechnikov went down, like Ovechkin, you could see Ovechkin like pull back. Yeah, he, and you know, like, okay, I'm not going to hit you anymore. Even the code, the unwritten code. But yeah, I think everyone but Marshawn follows that code. <laughs> I don't like not that a guy. fan, huh? I don't like that guy. But, but I would love if he played for the Kings. Oh yeah, I mean, you I know, I, I, you know, there's there's a couple <laughs> players on the Kings who I won't name just out of respect for your job that you know might cross the line here and there. Uh, you know, it's tough when they're on your team. You're like, oh, it wasn't so bad. Uh, need any hit? I'm good with that. Uh, but then you see, uh, there's just some guys. He's just like Marshad. But you know, Wilson's another guy who yeah, yeah. I'll give yeah. him this. He he fights his own battles. Yep. Uh, I would love for him to be on the Kings because uh, that's the new tough guy. Like yeah. guys who can play. And, yeah. You know, it's gone are the days of uh, the Philadelphia Flyers having five, six tough guys on the team. The You know, uh, but fighting was so essential that, you know, did you see the Flyers, uh, the Broad Street Bullies documentary? Yes, I did. Yep. The only thing I didn't like about it was they didn't really go over how the dynasty and they had a very short dynasty. Uh, how the dynasty was ended because I thought, you know, th- they made their bones being the toughest team in the league. It was basically a slap shot in the NHL, but they didn't cover when Clark Gillies killed Dave Schultz. And then with one fight, the mystique was gone. 
And then the Islanders started winning. Yeah. Because it's like, you want to fight Clark Gillies? Yeah. You know, he broke Ed Hospodar's face yeah. with one shot. Well, look at that Islanders team, too, though, with Gillies and Nystrom. And, uh, I mean, they had a lot of tough, tough guys on that team. You know, even a guy like Dave Langevin yeah. who played for the Kings for a very uh, brief period. I, I used to work on Long Island. I went to school on Long Island. Uh, I went to college there and used to play against some of the guy. We, I worked for the Islanders for a couple of years while I was in college and played, had the opportunity to play with Clark Gillies a few times. And Clark Gillies absolutely killed me one day in a, just a pickup game. Absolutely killed me. Like I've never been hit so hard in my life. And he just was rubbing me out in the corner just to make a point. I think like you got the puck and I'm going to take it from you. Boom. I've never been hit so hard in my life. And Clark Gillies was probably, I'm going to guess he's probably uh, in his fifties at the time. I mean, that's a big, like the biggest hands I've seen on a man and just, I, I've never been hit like, I don't know. I can't even put it into words. It was just like, like, can you imagine when he was in his prime and he was jacked up to play a game? I mean, that guy was fierce, fierce. Didn't I mean, mean anything by it. He wasn't, you know, he was just like, oh, well, I'm sure. playing hockey. I'm just playing hockey. Okay. I got it. Oh, but he was just vicious. Uh, I mean, his stock, I mean, when he broke at Hospital's face, <laughs> And Hospital was a tough dude. Yeah. He Hospital was never the same after that fight. Yeah. Oh yeah. He went from being broken a, face will do that to you. Well, he went from being a very offensive minded fighter to uh, a a uh, you know, a defensive minded fighter after that and more dirty. Uh, I mean, when he broke Mark Napier's face in the playoffs with a cross check, he's like, I'm good with doing stuff like this. I'm not getting my face <laughs> broken again. Uh but you know, he Gillies was I mean, him and Barry Beck, uh were the best fighters of their era, and they fought three or four times a year because no one wanted to fight them. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, and then the NHL had that peak where you had guys like Oliwa, uh, you know, fighting thirty plus times, and uh, Tiger Williams, of course, before Oliwa. And uh, did you work? Uh, what era did you work with the Islanders? Uh, I was ninety mid nineties, so it was the Mike Milbury era. What a GM, GM he was <laughs> when they. When they drafted Roberto Luongo, traded him. They drafted Todd Bertuzzi, who I picked up at the airport, traded him. They drafted Brian McCabe, who I picked up at the airport, traded him. Uh, Eric Fichot. It was the Fisherman years. Remember the Fisherman? Oh, my God. Eric, the goaltender. Yeah, from, Eric uh, Fichot. Yeah. Traded he was him. great. For I mean, while, for, for in juniors. For a while. Uh, uh, and then they signed Rick DiPietro to the... 25 year contract or whatever it was whatever ridiculous contract that was yeah that's when i was there i personally would have given <laughs> that contract to steve webb but <laughs> yeah, islanders homer remember when uh remember when they went through the ownership uh, fiasco when John, um, to spano right bought the t that's when i was there oh, okay yeah. well that's a, a very bruce mcnall like uh, -huh. uh very similar toward the end uh yep very similar uh you know where you would think the nhl would do their research not uh, at that time but he was a great con artist i mean he was uh, you know that's in the business world uh you know there's a lot of con men i mean you'd think wow bruce mcnall is like this brilliant businessman yeah. and yeah. and he built built his empire basically on lies and you know i know we talked about voinov earlier and the ripple effect that that caused on the Kings, but uh, I would say that McNall effect on the Kings 
crippled them for almost 10 years. Oh, yeah. In terms of, uh, you know, which is why I, I'll go back to McMaster's. Like, you talk about walking into a minefield. This guy was like at the prime of McNall's financial shenanigans. All right, you know, uh, CCM and uh, Cooper aren't delivering uh, equipment, but you get us some free agents. <laughs> But Dave Taylor, Dave Taylor came in and, you know, did what he could and cleaned up a lot of that. And he's the reason that Dustin Brown is here and Kopitar and quick. And these guys, I mean, and Aki Berg, let's not forget Aki. There was Aki Berg. I I thought Aki Berg was going to be the next Scott Stevens. A lot of people did. But you go, you know, we go, we started off and I know you got to go because the LA traffic, uh, but you know, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, let's not put everything in Jack Hughes piggy bank. Uh, you know, I remember, uh, cause that was the year we had two high, uh, first round picks when we got Aki Berg. Uh, I thought, well, this guy, they did this highlight. They had a, a draft party, uh, I think at the Marriott downtown or no, by the airport. And they had an Aki Berg highlight reel. And like, this guy was Scott Stevens of the Finnish world. Uh, and it just, most King fans will remember him for uh, looking befuddled when the fan came on the ice, tried to attack him. <laughs> no, I mean, I was at that game. The guy literally jumped over I me. You, say you were the fan. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not after what Rob Ray did to that one guy who <laughs> yeah, never you know, like yeah, just yeah. doing hammer fist. And I think uh, Gordon, the Sabres had some of the toughest teams I've ever seen yes, in my they life. Did. Yes, uh, they did. You know, when you look at some, and you know, I'll reminisce. You look at some of those Sabre rosters where they had uh, Rob Ray, Brad May, May yep. Gord Donnelly, Jeff Parker, uh, who probably was as qualified to play in the NHL as Larry Parker. Uh, you know, and, and then uh, I was talking with Darren Kimball on Twitter about some of the Nordique teams especially their training camps where they would just invite every maniac in the league. You had uh, in one training camp, you had both McCray brothers, Basil and Ken, you had Wayne Van Dorp. You had the Roberge brothers, uh, Serge and Mario. You had Jacques Mayotte, who I think was, was like literally, uh, Oglethorpe and uh, Slapshot, and, uh, Tony twist, uh, you know, and probably five other guys who were off the grid. Uh, you know, it was just such a fun time to, you know, I, I miss it. I miss the '80s. Bring back Rat. Rat's down to two original members. I saw Rat last summer. They're well, fantastic. Well, you know, in full disclosure, I am friends with Stephen Piercy, the singer. He was great. He was great. You, you know, Orange it, County. I saw him at uh, at uh, Costa Mesa. I was Fair. there. Were you? Yes, it was packed. Yeah, Tom uh, Kiefer opened up. Tom, yeah, I was yeah. at the same show. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're down to, uh, I just did a radio show last Sunday, KLOS. Because the guitarist looked like he was about 12 years old. Yeah, he's 25. So that's close. You know, he, But he, he can play guitar. Well, his problem is he's not Warren D. Martini. <laughs> no, I mean, Warren D. Martini, I know we're, brand, this is probably at a time where we should cut the podcast when we're talking about the new guitar player and rat. And whatever. Jordan Zip, I'll give you the guy's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he has a Hello Kitty sticker on the guitar. He's like, come on, dude. Uh, that's, uh, you know, it's a big stretch to go from D. Martini's a Skull and Crossbones, uh, Jackson Charvel to uh, a Hello, Hello Kitty. Hello Kitty, yeah. Uh, yeah, his problem is he's not Warren D. Martini. Right. Yeah, you know, it's just like, but you know, what are you going to, it goes back to being a level headed. You know, I used to think, I don't know what it's like in the hockey world. I'm assuming you get along with the game day staff. 
yeah. with the uh-huh. Kings. Like you yep. guys all get along for the You've most got, part. Yeah. You know, Dita rule. You know, yep. although he never does my request for music, that's fine. Uh, I always ask him to play Britney Fox, Long Way, Long to, way love. to Love. Yeah, there you go. Or Girl School. You could go Girl School. Too. That was Diet Cinderella. Thank you very much, Fred. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm assuming you guys all have cohesion. We do. Uh, but, you know, so I would see a band like Rat, and, you know, they don't get along very well, to be honest. You know, the drummer was a bit of a wild card. And uh, why can't you guys just get along? Just take five tour buses. But, you know, I was on a show on an unnamed network that I uh, helped build and was rudely treated. And I wanted to leave after only like two years. I get it now. Like, oh, now I know why you guys can't tour together. Like, I, this was on a TV show that, that, you know, I was three years in. I wanted to kill everyone on it. So I can imagine a band like Rat, almost 40 years now. And they're essentially living together every day. Yeah. I mean, now I get it. Yeah. It was the whole point of that. I wasn't trying to work no, myself I got it. into the story. I got it. Um, what TV show was that? Well, you know, I'm back in the good graces. I I'll mention the no, name. No, 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 don't say it. Don't I'll say it. I'll break the rules. It. Don't say it. Because I'm back in the good graces of roast battle on Comedy Central. Oh, but you know, it was a show uh, that uh, you know I had some problems with, uh, and you think, wow, you know, it gave me everything. To be honest with you, not to end the podcast on me, but like it, it's responsible for the cartoon I'm on now, and and. The Showtime show, I'm dying up here. Uh, it directly got me on those shows. But, uh, you know, there were some behind-the-scenes politics I didn't really dig. So uh, I, I now understand why bands can't, you know, kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, with Kiss, you think Gene, Paul, Ace, and Peter, just shut up and get along. Right. Now I get it. 50 so years. I, it's yeah. really not. Yeah. So and then I get it with, like, you know, we talk about hockey coaches, you know, Tortorella, like, you know, kind of. His act wearing thin, you know, after four or five years and Sutter, I, you know, I get it now. It's like with Sutter and the Kings, just get along. He got you two cups. He'd probably get you one or two more. If, it's not so easy. If the thing's not always so easy. But, you know, I'm not Jeff Carter, an a, a NHL star for 10 plus years and Dowdy. I'm sure after a certain point, it's like we're stars. We don't need to be, you know, doing line drills. Uh, you know, which was, I hear the problem with Desjardins was his practices. <laughs> no, I, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. <laughs> no, I, I mentioned that. I mentioned that on a different podcast. I, I mean, you that, hear that some of it. That was some of it. Yeah. The biggest knock on Desjardins was his practices weren't exactly uh, uh, high level. <laughs> which, fully called him pathetic, I think. Which is, you know, not really something you want to hear from a guy who <laughs> I believe this is his uh, final year. Yeah. He, uh, UFA to, after this year. Which, yep. uh, you know, you don't... I'm, I don't know what their plans are for him, but I'm assuming you might want to keep him. And you don't really want to hear a guy who's got one year left on his contract saying his practices were horrible. Now, here's my fantasy. We're going to end the podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No pressure. You don't have to yell out because I want Darren Kimball to listen to this. Now, let's say you. I want you to announce a goal. Okay. Say I'm on the Kings. Mm-hmm. Say, I, you know, in my contract, I said, listen, I want my line mates to be Darren Kimball and Jeff Jackson. Can you just announce a goal? Say I just scored a goal on an assist from those two guys. And this is how, but before we start that, where can okay. people find you online? I mean, uh, do you want the fans to interact with you? Oh, of course. I love the fans. Twitter. 
Yeah, Twitter, uh, Dave Joseph LA. Not to be confused with Dave Joseph Tucson. Right. Well. Uh, and Instagram, the Dave Joseph, because frankly, there should be only one. Oh, there is only one in my heart. But I, before you announce that goal. Is Dave uh, Joseph a cricketer, a guy who plays cricket. So I don't want to be confused with him. So He's much more successful than I am. I don't know about that. Kings will come back. I, I got a feeling. So yeah, I, I hope you're right. Some shadow right. moves. So what, uh, what number are you? What number were you when you played street hockey for? Uh, to be honest with you, the majority of these uh, goal scoring trophies, yep. and there's about 30 upstairs. Wow. I mean, I was the preeminent, and some of them at the highest division. Uh-huh. Now, in the highest division at times, Mitch Callahan has played in the highest division. You're probably going, who's Mitch Callahan? The very, no, uh, I'm not going. I know, I know who Mitch Callahan is. Uh, he, I mean, so this league is no joke. Like, Grand Rapids Griffins. Yes, and I think he plays for Edmonton's uh, Stockton. Uh, Is that there, or are they Bakersfield? No, Edmonton's Bakersfield. He, he left Detroit to, I think he Stockton was... Stockton is Calgary. So Bakersfield, then. Mm-hmm. Who's Edmonton's farm team? Bakersfield. Okay, so yeah. I think he played for Bakersfield. Mm-hmm. So it's a high-level ball hockey Sure. League. So Cal Street hockey, I'll give him a little plug. Yeah. So this is the type of players that are playing. <laughs> By the way, he... he there was a kid one time who didn't know who Mitch was, and Mitch had the best quote. I thought Fred Corey had one of the greatest quotes I've ever had uh, hit my ears where they said, Fred, what are your career goals? And he's like, I just want to be good enough to play on the albums. I was like, what? Like, you're on the albums. Who's, who's, who's Kevin Valentine? But we won't go there. <laughs> Fred's not here to defend himself. This kid was kind of picking a fight with Mitch. And, uh, you know, Mitch, uh, was, you know, you know, he's like, I'm in the NHL kid. I'm, I'm not, this is a ball hockey league. I'm just here to get some exercise. And the kid was very persistent with wanting to fight Mitch. And Mitch just looked at him and said, I'm on a plane to Edmonton tomorrow, but I'll kill you today. And, uh, <laughs> this wasn't enough for the kid. He's like, I don't give a who you are. And uh, let's just say Mitch's right hand uh, dented this guy's helmet. <laughs> I haven't seen the kids since. All right, so I, yeah. uh, my ball hockey number was number 87. Now, to yeah. the fans out there, think, oh, you're a Sidney Crosby fan. Not at all. He's a great player. But I was a Donald Brashear fan, so I wore number 87. Oh. Now, Darren Kimball, his main number, we'll go with his Nordique days, was number 15. And the great Jeff Jackson was number 25. And I can't write that down, huh? <laughs> What are you, 100 years old? You yeah, I, bad memory. Dementia sets in. 80, don't say that. Uh, 87 uh-huh. from 15 and 14. I thought you said 25. You're right, 15 and 25. <laughs> you, now I feel bad. Wait, Jeff Jackson from Lake Superior State, Jeff Jackson? I don't believe this Jeff Jackson went to college. <laughs> It was Jeff Jackson who thought one day it would be a good idea to fight a prime Joey Koser. Oh, definitely not the Jeff Jackson I'm thinking of. In his head. No, he was like a, uh, you know, he's like a George McPhee type player where he's a very good player in juniors, but, you know, he just, you know, it's a big step up. We talked about Alexander. How about this? Yeah. Let's leave out Jeff Jackson. Just give me Darren Kimball as the only assist. So it's 87. Yep. Darren Kimball's number 15. 15. Yep. So let's, well, I'm going to do some fake crowd noise. 
This is what they do in the business. Uh, Sound, speed, rolling, action. Uh, Yeah. (sighs) Los Angeles goal. His 50th of the season. Scored by number 87, Earl Skakel. The assist to number 15, Darren Kimball. Time of the goal, 6.09. Skakel, his 50th from Kimball at 6.09.